You're listening to the Type 1 Run Podcast. Leave no ones behind. Hey everybody, John Foti here, your host, as always, on the Type 1 Run Podcast. Uh, welcome back. Let's call this Season 2. I might have taken quite the hiatus uh, for summer break, and I think a part of that is just kind of me being busy and kind of collecting and creating new content for you guys and trying to develop that into, you know, really the future of the podcast. And I probably also just got a little excited about being in Colorado and running and getting soaked up in kind of, you know, the transition of my own life. But thank you guys so much for listening. I've got a couple of great episodes coming up this week. Um, yeah, there's going to be two episodes this week, even though I haven't had one in like two months. <laughs> Once again, sorry. Um, either way, um, so the first episode um, that we're coming out um, today, actually today's episode is um, with uh, a guy named Pat, actually the chapter leader for Phoenix Type 1 Run. Absolutely incredible guy, a very accomplished runner, and has been selected for the Beyond Type Run team um, in uh, New York City. So they're actually traveling to New York City this weekend, and today's episode and tomorrow's episode, well, might be the day after tomorrow, we'll see where it drops, um, will be another runner on that team um, by the name of Roman. Um, both of these guys are absolutely incredible runners. Um, please check them out on social media, follow them, donate to them if you possibly can. Cause they of course have a donation, um, goal for, you know, um, the effort leading into NYC. Um, so if you can spare together any dollars or cents, I know that they would probably, um, very much appreciate it if you donated to their cause, um, in terms of supporting, supporting beyond type one, um, and, you know, through their efforts in beyond type run, which, kind of trickles down to type one run. So kind of a long chain of effects. Um, but overall these two guys, absolutely incredible episodes. Pat creates a awesome interview that's super informative, especially to anyone who is a late onset type one diabetic. Um, I think that he has some really good insights into, you know, how he made that transition and how he's so successful at running. And without further ado, here's my episode with Pat Vitruba. Oh, and one last thing, after we do his main interview, we're going to catch back up with him a couple months later to see how his training is going and hear some final thoughts before he goes into NYC. Yeah, so I've never been anywhere in Arizona other than um, the Grand Canyon. So, or like, you know, the drive to the Grand Canyon. And that's kind of my only experience with Arizona. Um, what do you think Air like Phoenix is like? I want to say I follow... I, so I follow Run Steep Get High, and I think Jamil Curry, and I know you've run his races before oh, with yeah. Air Viper running. I think I'm sure everyone in Phoenix runs his races because there's so many of them. But yeah. uh, so I see a lot of his videos, and he makes Phoenix look like a really big running town. It is, you know, the the, the running community here and and the trail running community here in particular is, is pretty extraordinary. How many different like trail and mountain options do you have in Phoenix? You know, cause I, I want to say the more of his shows I see or the more of his episodes I see, it seems like he hits kind of like the same couple of mountains over and over again. Or is there a lot that you guys have access to or is it? There, there, there is a lot. I think he hits a lot of stuff that he lives close to. Yeah. Uh, so he lives close to the Phoenix mountain preserve, which is in central Phoenix. Um, it's a pretty extensive trail system. Um, uh, and so, yeah, he runs in there a lot. I was just, I, I ran in there this morning with a group, um, 
in a much different part that's miles away from where he lives. Yeah. Uh, like a type one run event or just like a regular running? Group? Oh, it's just a Wednesday morning group. Yeah. There's, Doesn't work for type one run. We'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I just, I, I've been trying to do a Saturday morning run once a month for type one run. And actually we do, we do, we were, we run in the Phoenix mountain preserve. Um, there are other pockets of mountains around town. Scottsdale has the McDowell mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a race next month that, uh, Aravipe is doing in the white tank mountains, which is way out on the West side. Yeah. South mountain, which is, um, what I understand South mountain preserve is the largest, uh, municipal park in the country. Um, because it's just this huge area. Like, they're, they're, so there's an area south of South Mountain called Awatuki that everybody calls it Awatuki, but it's actually technically the city of Phoenix. Yeah. But the only way you can get to it driving is to drive around it through other cities to get back into Phoenix. The only thing that connects it is the South Mountain Preserve. Yeah. And so before I forget to ask, you are the Phoenix Type 1 Run chapter leader, right? Correct. <clears throat> Talk to me real quick about hosting events because it, it sounds to me like you have maybe some of the same struggles that I think a lot of the type one run chapters have and to include type one run Denver. You know what I mean? We have a lot of chapter members, but I think our events are limited in their scope. You know what I mean? Like in their ability to like get everyone to come out and run. And, but when I compare that to the other run groups that are like perhaps um, like in Boulder for say Solomon has a run group here that meets every Tuesday. And like, there's like, a thousand people in their Facebook group and maybe like 70 or so 50 or 70 show up for like the Tuesday run. You know what I mean? Do you struggle to make like your type one run events as like impactful as like those regular group run events? You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like you struggle getting people to come out and run with you? Yes, but I, I think it's multifaceted. Um, Question in terms of yeah, in terms of numbers of people I get to the runs, yes. So we'll maybe have three or four. Yeah. Um, the last two runs, I think it was both. I guess if we ran last week, it was four of us, but um, two of them were just friends of mine who came out to support me. Yeah. And, um, and uh, one of them is uh, the husband of a woman I know who's type one, and I've been trying to get her out, but she had a conflict. Yeah. Um, and she couldn't make it. So I do know a handful of, of, of runners in the run community are type one. Um, I have another pretty good running buddy. She's the mother of a type one teenager. Um, yeah. So the month before it was me running with her and then this dad came out and he heard about the group, joined the Facebook page and, um, came out and his, you know, his son is type one. Wait, did um, the kid run? No, no, we, we did get one. our very first run. We had we had an eleven year old girl run with us who's type one, so that was great. Um, so I I had, I had uh, kind of connected the mom on Instagram because she's like a local trail runner, and you know you kind of bump into these local people. Yeah. On Instagram, and she made a post about her daughter, and was, right away I kind of made it tried to make a connection. <laughs> um, I, I struggle with that too sometimes, you know, like getting people. Like yeah. how much do you harass people to try and come out and run with you? You have to harass them a bit. <laughs> I feel like my strategy has been like to motivate people to get out and run um, with me. But yeah, I also I, I use the term harass you loosely. But yeah, you got to yeah. try to get out. Um, but you know, the other side of it too is I do have, I have to go double check, but I think I have four, close to 40 people on the Facebook group. Yeah. So if I can keep a little bit of activity there and that might motivate people to kind of do some stuff on their own. I've had people reach out to me on Instagram and, um, 
there's one woman who I keep telling her about the runs because she's not on Facebook, but she's on Instagram. And yeah. I haven't been able to make it work yet, but she's really interested. Um, so, you know, the, the other thing, too, is just yeah, the whole social media aspect of it. I mean, that's what brought me into it when I kind of saw, you know, what what James and Craig and those guys are doing. Yeah. Um, and then I think the straw that broke the camel's back was when, you know, Taryn Treadway started one in Flagstaff. I'm like, well, I can't let there be a type one run Flagstaff if there's not a type one run Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now i want to say like the like the flagstaff do you know how big the flagstaff group is i'm mean, so smaller i mean i think i, I i've interacted with her a bit they struggle that's got to be a challenge because there are a lot of people who run there yeah um you know the challenge is that what what, what are the numbers like 1.5 or 1.7 million diabet type 1 diabetics in the entire country um god so <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was more than that <laughs> It's not very many of us. So. That makes me feel like a really weirdo. Exactly. So Phoenix is, you know, Phoenix is what three, four million people. I don't know. Like, but problems yeah. are also. But Flagstaff is. I don't know how big Flagstaff is. Sixty, seventy, eighty thousand tops. So yeah. I, you know, you've got a. Um, she's got a smaller pool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people who are there, it's probably easier to organize a local run. So, but I, you know, she's going to have to do what I do. You, 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 you lobby the parents. You lobby the siblings. You lobby. Um, just friends will come out and run with you and yeah. be willing to send your problems at the. So I haven't found I haven't found any other type. Well, actually, there is one other type one that I know of that I she follows me on Instagram. But I think I follow her too, but she's not a runner. She's the only other type one I know that's in Boulder. All the other ones are in Denver and like the surrounding area. And there's tons of them. And I've met you know I've met some of them a few times and we've run. But my goal is definitely yeah to find a lot more people like local in Boulder and. Or even that are in Denver that are willing to, you know, do a lot more, you know, weekly events, you know, maybe even meeting up twice a week and running and it not necessarily being like this big type one thing as much as it is just a run thing. You know what I mean? Like a regular run group of people that are running first and are type one second. You know what I mean? Because I think that's the stigma that I struggle with. You know what I mean? Like it's, yes, it's type one run, but it doesn't have to be all about type one diabetes. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to talk about diabetes the whole time when we, we meet up and hang out, you know, we can also just be runners first and type ones second, you know? And yeah. I think for me, that'll be one of my ways that I can grow kind of the, these weekly events is to make them more like actual training events that people like have on their calendar for training and not to just vent about high blood sugars all the time. You know what I mean? Like, but that's kind of part of the connection too, though. I mean, you get people. Oh, yeah. come out. Sometimes it's just a hike. One run we had a couple months ago was just a, a, a woman showed up and she showed up in hiking boots and she's like, oh, I messed up my ankle a while ago. And yeah. I, had, I had gone out to this uh, type one adults Phoenix meetup group and tried to get people to come out. And she she was there and she came and said, OK, well, let's hike. And there were three of us and we just hiked and yeah. talked about diabetes. Pretty yeah. Much. And so and I think that it kind of like you're saying, that's a great way to get people <laughs> into it. You know what I mean? You, you're, they're obviously coming because they're type one or they're associated with type one. And so maybe the first time it's about type one. But if you're wanting to host like these weekly events where people are continuously the same people coming over and over again, I feel like my goal is to make it more about the running, you know what I mean? And to bring people together as pacers, you know, as crew members for each other when they race, you know what I mean? Like to build the running community just as deep as we build that type one community. Um, well, part of that can be done kind of online too. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm connected to, to, to people you know, across the country and, um, hopefully the plan now is, uh, Kenny Campbell's planning to run uh, heavily in a hundred next year. Yeah. 
And uh, um, I'm gonna go. Awesome. So yeah. So he's recruited James and me to pace him. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, I might be on that pace list too. I don't know if I made the cut, but I would pace him. I don't know if I'll. I don't know how far I can go, but I could go five or ten miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um. Well, we got Flagstaff coming up next month, right? Did you register for Flagstaff? So I'm going to be in Europe. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so I'm. I leave uh, for this Friday. We are headed. Uh, we're driving to Nashville and we're flying out of Nashville, and we'll be um, in Europe for three weeks, and then commuting back to Colorado for like the next week, like seeing family slowly on the way and stuff like that. So, but where, where but after here? but after Europe. I'm taking two weeks off. We're just going to hang out in Boulder and then we're going on a two month road trip through the West coast. So I'll, I'll probably head to Flagstaff and near Phoenix and, you know, cause we're going to see the grand Canyon and we want to see flag and everything. Um, in Europe, we're going to Italy. We're going to Rome, Verona and Venice. And then we're going to Switzerland and we're going to run and hike the Alps a bit. And then we're going to London. I think we're oh. hanging like in and around London. We're going to see like Harry Potter world and stuff. And then we're coming back. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we make a European trip this year. My, my wife was actually born in Germany and we've made a handful of trips over there over the years. Oh yeah. So my kids are kind of spoiled. They've been to Europe a few times, but uh, <laughs> so I've never been on, on good turn. I've only been like in stayed in the airports on my way to Afghanistan. That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've never like gotten to experience, you know, Europe. I've seen it from the window of an airport, but that's it. But, uh, yeah. So I guess before we're like way far off track, um, thank you for coming on the show. And of course I want to get, a little background about you because you run a lot anyone that follows you and that doesn't follow you yet but does after this show will know that like you run a lot and you're pretty integrated obviously into the ultra scene and you know you get out there and you're training a bunch but i'd, I'd be curious as to kind of hear like when you started running and when you were type diagnosed type one and kind of how that's gotten you to this point you know where you're like the type one run chapter leader of phoenix uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of like the before and after. Uh, I mean, I, I, first race I ever ran was a 10 K. Um, I think it was the summer after high school. Um, yeah, I actually grew up in uh, Colorado Springs. It's my hometown. Oh yeah. My, I'm an army brat. So that was, oh. uh, yeah. So my dad was stationed at Fort Carson and uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I high school. I have a uh, bunch of friends that are at Carson right now. Um, in in fact, this week I was planning on doing the Monteo Incline. I think that's how, is that how you say it. Manitou. Manitou. Yeah, I was supposed to. Do, I wanted to do that this week before we left for um, for Europe because my lungs, I feel like, are like just now getting to the point where I'm really good adjusted to the altitude. And then I'm going to go down to sea level basically for a month, and I'm going to come back and be exhausted, and I'm not going to be able to do it for another month. But yeah, that's funny. Colorado Springs. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So, um, uh, yeah. So after high school, I had a buddy who decided he was going to run, what is it called? The Pikes Peak Marathon or the Pikes Peak? Yeah. Half, the, 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 the marathon that goes up the peak, like most people do the half. And then if you want to run all the way back down, you do the full. Um, so he decided he was going to do that. And I didn't, I did not do that, but I did register for the same 10 K he did. And I 
just kind of went out and started running in the fields, empty fields behind my junior high. And uh, then ran the 10K and uh, then maybe jogged a few times in college while just gaining a bunch of weight. And then uh, my wife and I picked it up a bit in grad school, um, running 5Ks. Uh, we'd run one of the big 10Ks in that. We were in grad school in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, I think the, the longest we did was like a 15K. Um, and, you know, did, did you ever run with your dad growing up? Cause it's funny, like, my dad you know, me. I had, you know, I just came out of the military. So I think if, like, if I had a kid, they would end up running with me a lot, you know, cause you have to run for the army. So yeah, I feel like my dad hated running. He would, uh, he'd stress out, you know, the, the couple weeks leading up to the PT test <laughs> and, go out, he'd run it, and then he'd run PT test and, and, you know, run for the PT test and then that was it. He'd stop. I mean, he, he, they would walk. He and my mom would take long walks and stuff, but he never ran, but he was one of those people who like was just naturally thin. Yeah. Which he did not pass on to me, but, um, <laughs> you know, what's but, funny is that I, I'm was the same way. Like my entire military career up until like the last year and a half, I hated running. I hated it. Like I was terrible at it too. I like my fastest miles would be like, eight thirties. <laughs> I mean, like when I was in college, I was a little faster, but like for the bulk of my like active duty career, I hated running. It was weird that like at the end of it, I found the joy in it. You know what I mean? Um, but I can relate. That's cool. No, he, 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 he never did. It's not something he ever, he ever took to. And so, yeah, so you just started running in college and how many races have you done since, uh, Pikes peak 10 K? Yeah, we're in Madison and my wife, uh, finished well I, I finished my program in Madison and then my wife still had like this internship to finish up and we had our first child um, we had a baby in the fall of 2002 and so, so she was finished her program and I was kind of in limbo until we figured out where we were moving um, I was staying at home with the baby and you know I just all of a sudden I was like I don't know what to do with this kid all day long. <laughs> it's, I have no idea. You know, your social life, eventually, I, when you have kids for a while, eventually your social life shifts from being like, you know, when you're young and single, you have single friends. When when you're a couple, you end up with friends who are couples. And then, you know, you have, once you have kids and you start end up making friends who also have kids. But like, I wasn't in that stage yet. So I just had this kid that I was alone with all day and had no idea what to do with. So yeah. um, once the spring rolled around, I bought a running stroller. And, uh, I would just, I didn't have a watch or anything, but I would just like take her out. It was a morning nap. We just, I'd just go run. Um, and I got up to running for about a couple hours. I'm like, well, if I can run for a couple hours, I can maybe do a half marathon. So I registered for the Madison, uh, half marathon. It was like Memorial Day weekend in 2003. Um, and I ran it. Um, yeah. And then didn't, Especially when I lived in, you know, Wisconsin, and then we moved back to Minnesota shortly after that. Uh, I, I didn't run that much in the winter. You know, I, I don't think I've never owned a pair of running tights. I just, you know, it's kind of a seasonal thing. You pick it up off and on. Um, it wasn't until, you know, I was diagnosed, you know, here in 2014 that it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm running close to every day. It kind of helps me manage the blood sugar. It was back then. It was just like something I would pick up and do for a while to train for something. And yeah. Um, Wait, so you've only been type one for four years? Yeah. Wait, so how? Not, I mean, you don't have to tell how old you are, but it's probably going to come out when you tell the story. But yeah, I'm 40 how, I was forty years old when I was diagnosed. 
not like in a weird way, but you're de- you're the oldest person. You're the latest diagnosis person I've ever talked to, for sure. I know there's been people like in their 50s and 60s that I've just never talked to them. Yeah, my grandmother was diagnosed in her 50s. Holy cow. So, um, yeah, side on. Uh, it wasn't a big part of of it wasn't really in my consciousness then. I guess I had vague memories of maybe her taking some injections and then yeah, maybe in my teens I remember maybe she was just getting glucose. But I don't even know, but I remember I must have been in my mid to late teens because I remember one of my youngest cousins was there and like her mom, my aunt, was explaining to her like, "Oh, grandma's testing her blood sugar." Yeah, but I, you know, I it didn't really. Didn't wasn't really talked about really. Um, so, do, yeah. right, do you think you're glad that you were diagnosed at 40 as opposed to 14? <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I want to yeah. say yeah, right? Like you got all those years well, of yeah. I mean, no there's, stress. There's the obvious that you know the cumulative effects to your body, is, you know, um, is you know less because I'm older. Yeah, uh, I you know it. I, I'm, I'm at a point in my life, like, well, even compared to your adult onset, but even compared to, to you, and, and I'm, I'm curious about your military career, like, you know, you're just trying to get started in your career, and that, like, can throw you for a loop. I'm basically this 40-year-old <laughs> IT guy who sits in my desk all day. Yeah. And and so my, my routine is, you know, pretty regular. Um, so I, in that way, I'm lucky. I mean, it's the hard thing to manage and the more regular your routine is, I think the easier it is to manage. And I'm kind of settled in what I do and what my schedule is for the most part. Um, so, I mean, let's say glad I got it, but I mean, it definitely, definitely are worse scenarios. And in, in going back to the whole diagnosis, I, 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 I um, talking about my dad um, a little bit. So my dad passed away. Um, several years ago from ALS. And so like, you know, one of the symptoms was initially is that he started losing feelings in his feet. And so in the spring of 2014, I had just run a marathon. I had just finished a goal of, of getting a sub four hour marathon. And then that following spring, I started getting numbness in one foot and then the other. And then it started being like more pain and and I didn't know what it was, and I kind of didn't want to know what it was. And I was one of those guys who hadn't been to the doctor in five years. Yeah. Um, so um, tried to get in the doctor before vacation this summer. And that was actually one of the summers we went to Europe. And I couldn't, didn't get in the doctor. I was like, oh, I'll just, I don't want to know. I'm just going to go enjoy Austria and Germany and worry about it later. Um, and I still remember driving from like, like the north, well, kind of the north central part of Germany where my wife's family is from all the way down to Bavaria one day and uh, eating, we visited the Haribo factory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and worms and stuff. Yeah. I kind of, like your initial podcast where you talked about pounding the lemonade, I was like pounding these gummy worms. I don't even have a sweet tooth, but I think I was just trying to stay awake. Um, and I just, you know, was driving, you know, on the Autobahn for like seven, eight hour drive and just like, pounding these things and I can't imagine what my blood sugar was and I had dropped over the previous couple of years I had dropped oh geez uh, a lot of yeah a lot of weight 50 or 60 pounds yeah my lowest weight since high school yeah same <laughs> I ran that marathon at the end of 2013 I was probably in 
almost DKA. Like just, I was, I was, yeah. So you're in, you get diagnosed in Germany. No, no, I just, I, I didn't go to the doctor. So we got back. So, you know, I went to, we, we did the vacation, came back. Um, I still knew something was wrong. My feet were really bothering me. Um, that was the big thing. Um, and so I went in and uh, talked to my physician, and she gave me a referral to the, um, uh, to the podiatrist or whatever. And then uh, calls me the next day, and she's like, you're diabetic. Like, your blood sugar was like over 400. Um, and right away, she assumed I was type 2 yeah, uh, because of my age. Uh, she put me on metformin right away, uh, but she did do some, some further tests and we realized pretty quickly I was type one. Yeah. So it was, yeah. So, um, yeah. So started taking, uh, yeah, basically yeah, I'm on Lantus and Novolog pens. That's what I've been using ever since. And at some point I'll probably look into getting a pump, but. Don't do it. <laughs> you've gone back. That's right. You've gone back to, to Dude, I'm on the same regiment you're on, man. It's the best. For running, it, I think it's the best. I A lot of people, like, freak out over temp basils, and they get, like, these, you know, temp basil hard-ons. But I just, uh, to me, it's so much easier to have Lantus. It's like, hey, I've already given that shot. It's in there. Now I'm going to go on this run. I just need to adjust for it. And for me, and from most people that I've talked to, if you haven't taken Novolog, even if you're just on Lantus, you're not going to go low. Like you can run all day. If you don't have any fast acting insulin in you, you're going to be good. Yeah. I don't get too many lows when I run. Um, although I have, I mean, I have, cause I try. Oh, I yeah, I do all the time. But, I try not to What's that? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I do all the time, but it's because I think I normally have traces of Novolog left or, you know, yeah, it's normally that. Yeah, the only I do I do get lows um, more frequently if I try to run in the afternoon or evening. Oh yeah, same. So I've done some night races, and the challenge with that is like if I'm going to do a long race in the morning, I'll back off my you know Lantus by like thirty to forty percent. Yeah. Um, but if if I'm going to do that at night, then I don't really want to back off. I take my Lantus in the morning. Mm-hmm. I, they, they originally told me to take it every night, but that just never worked with me. I'd, I'd be out and about. Or I fall asleep on the couch and forget to take it, and just yeah. um, so I just started. Or and I, I think it helps me not be low in the mornings. Uh-huh. Um, it probably I'm probably higher than I should be in the mornings, but I don't. This, it works pretty well for me. Um, yeah, you mean like you you're waking up every day higher than you'd want to be, or? Um. Yeah, I would say typical for me. It's like 130s, you know. This morning I was probably woke up. I think I woke up. I was like one in the 150s, 158 or something. Yeah. Um, and then so then you're like on the fence. Well, do I eat anything before I go run? Yeah, <laughs> that's the the great the great diabetic decision, right? Like to eat or not to eat. And I've been dropping lower lately. And it's we, we're in our monsoon season, so not only is it hot, but it's actually a little bit. It's pretty humid. Right. Um, and in the humidity, it feels like I'm dropping more. Um, during the runs than when it's dry. So I yeah, have, I just, yeah, you have that effort, you know what I mean? That, that output is just a little higher. So I, um, so I did eat a little bit. I ate a banana and then I just went and ran. No bolus, but I didn't have to adjust. I was still high at lunch. So yeah, I would say if you've never tried the pump, you should try it. Honestly, like if you want to drive to Boulder, I will give you, you can take mine for a trial. 
Like you can have my, you could borrow my 670G and use it as much as you want. <laughs> Cause I, I don't know what I I just have it sitting here. I guess maybe someday, I'll, maybe I'll use it again, but you're more than welcome to, I'll give you infusion sets and reservoirs and everything. You can go take it for a, a field day. We'll see. I haven't, I haven't been up to Colorado in a while, so maybe I'll have to. Maybe yeah. Work. Do you have any family in Colorado Springs left or any friends? I'm sure you have friends at least, right? Uh, my, my parents were from the Midwest. So my dad was from Wisconsin and my, my mom's from Iowa. And then they moved to Kansas City. He retired from the Army when I finished high school. Yeah. And they moved to Kansas City um, just because the job prospects were better and they had family near there. Um, so I actually don't get back to Colorado very often. Um, but when I do, I'm like, why did I ever leave? I went to went to a small college in Minnesota, and that's where yeah. I found my wife. And then, um, then the grad school in Madison, back to Minnesota for a while, and then down to Arizona. What is the uh, elevation in Phoenix? Uh, it's not very high. Uh, it's 11, 1,200 feet. Yeah, that's actually higher than I thought it was good. I thought you were going to say like, Five or six hundred feet, you know what I mean. Um, Tucson's a bit higher. <laughs> I moved from Southern Alabama, where I'm pretty sure it was like eighty feet. <laughs> like, so couldn't be any more of a change from coming up here. But yeah, whenever you come up here, let me know. I'll give you the pump. You could try it. You'll hate it probably if you're anything like me. Because I, I feel like us late onsite people, like we've lived our whole lives without like this leash, and then like putting it on us, and then like having to keep up with it and track it. And every time you sit down, you're like, Oh, did I just break it? Well, I mean, I've never used one, so I can't speak to it directly, but I, I, I do like the, I mean, I, I don't really mind the shots. Um, so, you know, you just take the shot and then you forget about it for a while. Exactly. Um, you're like a normal person for a while. Sort of. I, I don't have a CGM. I actually want to get Actually, I'm getting a CGM through this beyond type type run, uh, uh team. Um, wait, 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 they're giving you a CGM. Yeah. Actually, what? I just got an email today that it's, ship, it's shipping. They're shipping it today. So, um, so talk to me real quick. Is it is it an insurance issue? Like, is that why you've never had one, or is it just personal choice? My insurance wasn't going to cover uh, CGM or or supplies if my A one C was less than seven and a half. That's so effed up. Yeah, it is. And I'm not. Yeah, well, I better be careful of what I say. But um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> like you don't trust me. I've I've walked fine lines with like what to say and what not to say about these types uh, of things. But you don't have to say anything. But I will say that I hate that I've had experiences like that with many people I've talked to, and it's it's such a slap in the face that like and, and that they'll use your own fitness against I, you. I don't want to disparage my insurer because that has actually changed. And I actually started the process of getting a, a Dexcom um, this spring. Yeah. But I was trying to get it. Um, uh, I ran my first 50 miler this spring and I was trying to get it before that so I could train with it a little bit and just see what it was like. And then once it was clear that it wasn't going to happen before that, I just kind of, um, I kind of put the brakes on it and just was like, Oh, whatever. I just want to get through this race. And, I'll worry yeah. about it later. And then yeah. I just kind of put it off. And then this, this beyond type run team, um, the New York city team, um, I'm sure we'll get into that, that I'm running the New York city marathon with this beyond type run, um, beyond type one, one's uh, <coughs> charity team. Uh, it's tough like, oh, to say, oh, isn't it? Beyond oh, type one sorry. host What's beyond that? type. I said, it's tough to say that beyond type one host beyond type run, yes. which, both are very well integrated with type one run. 
with type yeah. one running. Yeah, so it's like this is a big have, thing. But that's incredible that they're giving you a CGM. Yeah, so they're giving us CGM to to test out. I don't know all the details, but I did get the email that's shipping. They're giving us a G six, so their their newest one that what? You know, that's widely available cool. or not. So yeah, because I was going to get the G five, and I was like, well, maybe I should. Maybe it, that was another thing. I was like, maybe I should just wait and see if I wait until the G six comes out because I'm I didn't, I'm not going to have it for this race I wanted for anyway. Yeah, dude, you're going to love it. I so, yeah. the, the the my Dexcom is the only thing I couldn't I couldn't do without. You know what I mean? If I I, if I if I never had to wear a pump again, I'd be fine. But if I couldn't wear my Dexcom, I would be severely limited in my scope of like I could still take okay care of my diabetes. But like if you want to talk about like my ability to maintain a A1C below seven, like it's because of a Dexcom. You know what I mean? Like and that's why it's it's funny that there's a lot of policies out there like that. That's like it only incentivizes poor control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because these are the devices that enable you to maintain that good control. It's like the opposite of preventive medicine, like, which I know most doctors and, you know, medical professionals have to, to swear into, but uh, nor here nor there, but well, medical insurance is a strange thing. I think, you know, their incentive is to have you find a different insurance company. (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, I will say I've been blessed with, you know, military healthcare has been has been good for me in a sense. There like any other organization, there's still ways to get screwed by um, you know, policies surrounding type 1 because I think a, a lot of policies and, and to include most healthcare companies because I I've read into it quite extensively um after I got diagnosed, most policies revolving type 1 for insurance companies are outdated. Like I'm talking 20, 30, 40 years old. Like some of these policies are, you know what I mean? Like the regulations and stipulations and bureaucratic processes that, you know, surround type one diabetes. They're so old that they put type one diabetics in a box. Um, for instance, for the VA in order to get, um, the full rating for the disability of type one diabetes, you have to prove that you have a restricted diet and you have to take more than type one or more than one shot of insulin a day. And those are, that's how they judge a type one diabetic. But that's ridiculous because every type one diabetic fits into those two categories. Like, like no questions asked. Every type one in the world takes more than one shot of insulin a day, unless they're keto and they have a, a restricted diet. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's funny that those are the two things they, um, you know, assess you on like how diabetic are you? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it, it's crazy. And then the, the problem is we're a relatively small captive population. Um, I was shocked when I first when I when I went into the pharmacy and had to pay for my like first set of insulin pens. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. It was like you know for for ninety day supply, I'll send it to for the two different types of uh, insulin. It was well over two hundred bucks. Wow. It's like, whoa, like <laughs> all my wife's uh, co-pays are like $10, $15. Why am I paying $200? Is that, uh, is that the same insurance that you're still on? Or? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've looked into my wife's a federal employee and I've kind of looked into some of her options and it, it wouldn't be much better. Yeah. Uh, it's it's But it's crazy to me that, that, that it's that high. And then I go in for like a minor dental um, procedure just to get prepped to get a crown. And the period, honestly, he's like, hey, do you want some hydrocodone? I'm like, yeah, sure, I guess. 
30 pills, 30 hydrocodone pills, $5 copay. <laughs> it's like, hey, here's some serious drugs that you probably could do without. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, it's like insulin, which like you will die without it. Yeah, that'll be yeah, yeah, that'll be nine thousand yeah, dollars, please. Have to buy it. You know, <laughs> pay what they tell us we have to pay. Yeah. Um, and then, but you look at something else like these painkillers that they, they keep talking about. It's like the market for that is virtually limitless. Right. So, um, anyway, we digress. But yeah. so one of the real reasons I was I was very excited to bring you onto the show, and one of the things that I definitely want to spend a good amount of time on is talking about the beyond type one experience. And so, and actually on the last episode that aired, it was, um, Mary Lucas and she, she gave us a good understanding of beyond type run and its integration with beyond type one. And that kind of what that community really means to the type one community. But so far, what has been your experience with it? And if you could kind of talk a little bit about maybe like why you decided to apply, you know what I mean? Other than the fact that it's cool to run marathons and it's fun to run with other type ones, but what really motivated you and why do you think they chose you and how's your training go? <laughs> yeah, well, I, it was kind of a last minute decision. I think I saw somebody's story on Instagram, you know, probably one of the people who ran it last year saying, Oh, this is, this is the deadline to, to submit a video to, to apply. And I was like, Oh wow. I was like running New York and, um, uh, I've, I've made, a couple of attempts to qualify for Boston that have been unsuccessful. And so I was just like, well, maybe, you know, this would be, you know, I get to run New York and New York running New York city marathon would be pretty awesome. And so, um, I don't know. I was just like, so I just kind of made a video. I just did it in my backyard real quick with my phone and, um, just said, you know, I, you know, I'd love to do this. I, I mean, I, I, you know, running has been, since my diagnosis, I basically ran kind of like what I was saying before. So pre-diagnosis, I mean, I ran four marathons before I was diagnosed with diabetes, but I I wasn't a regular runner. And then once I was diagnosed, it was like the first thing I do before I could even get on insulin, I would just go out and run. Like I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. Like I just, I, I didn't have any other way to control my blood sugar. And I had no concept of this. Well, you're not supposed to exercise when your blood sugar is high. I only learned of that probably a year or two after I was diagnosed. But I just running was a big deal, and I was just like I wanted to kind of share that experience. And so I was like, well, running on that team seemed like it would be a pretty awesome experience, and um, hopefully inspire other people to run. Um, and so yeah, I'm not sure why you know they they picked me. Um, it probably wasn't the, uh, production quality of my video. Um, I think I, I am, I'm one of the more experienced runners. I think I've run more, um, you know, there are a lot of people on the team who, who are running their first marathon and that's awesome. That's so much fun to watch somebody experience that. Uh, so yeah, I think there's also like, uh, I think last year there was only one male on the team. <laughs> Yeah, it was true. There's also there's also a gender imbalance. I mean, there's more than that. There's probably at least five or six of us, but yeah, five or six men. But um, you know, but yeah. Mary and I talked about that. I think it, it's definitely reflective of the online type one community, which which is a lot. You know, it's very female dominant. But uh, I, you know, I think women just tend to be a little bit more vocal about their type one, and I, I think it, it's probably a stigma about masculinity and stuff like that. But 
Sorry. <laughs> Real quick, before before I forget, I had a question. Um, because I've never actually looked into it either. What's like the number that like medical professionals say like, hey, if you're higher than this, you don't you don't exercise. I have no idea. I've just I don't read, know what it is either. But I've seen people make Facebook posts. Oh, you're not supposed to, uh, you know, you, you, you're not supposed to do that. Like I remember, uh, well, Amy McKinnon, who you've had on your show, like she posted on Facebook, a, you know, a blog about her, um, her the last marathon she ran, and she she was in the three hundreds for a while. And I've been in the three hundreds during races. Um, and and somebody wrote, "Why well, are you're not supposed to, you know, exercise if you're above two hundred and and her her response kind of which would be the same thing I would kind of say is like, oh, I'm not going to quit a race because I'm in the 300s, right? Um, you know, uh, yeah, I might try to adjust, but I, so I'm I curious as to I'm curious as to what the risk is. Like, what is the like is the is the concern that since you're high, it'll continue to shove you higher and higher? You know what I mean? Uh, maybe I think it's I don't know what the short term risks are maybe the long-term risks are that it's not healthy or you know um you know diabetics have greater risks of having heart conditions i i, I don't know exactly to be honest I, to, I really need to look into that i don't know why that's one of the topics i haven't um dove really far into i, I think it's because i don't have you know I mean, everyone has high blood sugars but i, I tend no, to never i my my blood sugar never raises with exercise so for mine, instance, mine never are, once, never once in a, over a year of running with type one, have I ever had a higher blood sugar after I started running than before? It changed because that used to be the case with me. And now really? it's the case. Yeah. Now I'll go for a run. Don't, and, tell, don't tell me that. Now I'm like, oh man, now my diabetes is going to change. It's like a little monster that just slowly grows over time. You know what I mean? Um, it may change. So yeah, yeah, it baffled me at the beginning to, to to have these people worry about you know high blood sugar because my response to having high blood sugar was my first response would be like oh I got to go out for a run and bring it down, um, and now that it doesn't always do it, but uh, it's still I think it still keeps me in better control over the rest of the day and in general. Like you're talking like maybe your insulin sensitivity is better and your overall yeah. control is better because you run. I have assumed that. And what's funny is that this is the first time I've ever doubted my own future in type one diabetes and running, because now I'm thinking like, man, Pat just said that my diabetes is going to get worse. And I'm, one day I'm going to go on a run and I'm going to end up at 700. <laughs> well, no, not 700. I've never been, I don't know. Um, what's yeah, the high, what's the highest blood sugar you've ever seen? I don't, test, I don't test in anything shorter than, than an ultra marathon. Cause it's, it's too much of a pain and, and, and anything shorter than that, I'm really kind of running for time. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just guard against lows and, 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 you know, fuel relatively aggressively and just go and figure yeah, out yeah. just sit later. Yeah. If you trend high, you're fine. You know, like you're, you know, you're not going to go into DKA from it. Like, right. Yeah. What is the highest blood sugar you've ever seen? Like surrounding a run? Um, well, I think in both, the ultras I did this spring during the race, I was in, there was one, I'd have one, I had one measurement in each race where I was in either the high two hundreds or like low three hundreds. Yeah. That's not bad. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was, I've been playing around with fueling and I think especially this, this, this 50 K I did, I had, um, the, 
I was using an energy drink for that when I was using Scratch Labs, and I was at the bottom of my bag when I was mixing them, mixing it in my bladder. Yeah, I just dumped the rest of it in, so it might have been kind of strong. Yeah, um, and so I'm just sucking that down like the whole first stretch of the run, um, and you have to drink. Uh, so, um, and then I measured it, and then I did like a two unit correction, um, and then I didn't fuel quite as aggressively. Like I didn't take any more gels I don't think until the next aid station or two and then it came down and so since we're talking <laughs> about the evolution of type one and running have you ever because you're kind of like me in the sense that I've always assumed like hey if I ever had like a high blood sugar I would just go for a jog or like a brisk walk you know what I mean at least have you ever had because I see this online it's another issue that I haven't struggled with yet and I'm sure there's other people out there like me that just haven't come to that place in their diabetes yet but I've never had like a high blood sugar that I couldn't bring down eventually. You know what I mean? I've had ones that lasted for like a few hours and I was like, this is annoying. But you know, you see some people that post online, they're like, my blood sugar has been high for 48 hours and I can't bring it down. And they I, post, they post their Dexcom data and it's like just 300 all day. And I'm thinking like, you know, am I going to get there one day where like my diabetes is like that? You know what I mean? I, I cringe when I see what people like, cause I, 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 I'm not as sensitive to insulin as I was the first couple of years. Yeah. So uh, I used to do, you know, I, could, I would regularly do like four units of Novolog would be a, a pretty heavy dose of insulin for a dinner for me. Uh-huh. And now I'm like up to like six, seven, sometimes eight. Um, oh, yeah. And so. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I, I think I had a giant burrito right before we did this call and I think I gave 11 units for it. So, I mean, yeah, you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna offend me at all. Trust me. So anyway, so yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I've never had that experience either where I just couldn't bring it down at all. I've had days where I ran higher than I expected. Like today was one of them where I woke up a little higher than I expected um, ate a banana, went for a run and, and I guess I didn't run hard enough for something cause I was higher than I would at lunch. I was higher than I was when I woke up, um, took four units at lunch, which usually I'm more like closer to three and I didn't really have a high carb lunch. Well, maybe it was a little high carb. Um, and then I was even higher at dinner. So I, yeah, just one of those days that I was just kind of running high. Um, but I've never, no, I've never been to that point where, yeah, I see how these people post too, like where they're in the three hundreds and they just won't come down. Um, so, yeah, I'm, so I'm in the process of messaging, uh, James and Craig right now. And they asked me to ask you about the copper cowboy, which I have no idea what that is. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think I'm in, um, I, I was getting, so the copper cowboy is, um, Apparently, it's the first year. It'll be the inaugural Copper Cowboy in Wilcox, Arizona. So, um, a, a guy in um, diabetic guy in Tucson approached me and asked if I would be on his four-person relay team. He wants to make a relay team of diabetics to uh, run uh, the Copper Cowboy 24-hour relay race. Oh wow! So you just keep swapping. I think it's a six-mile loop, and you just keep alternating I, I don't think there's any particular i think you just you can run the loops however you want just everybody has to run at least one or two um so i guess craig and james have volunteered to be the third or fourth members of our team Sounds oh like. wow <laughs> i had no idea how long ago was this that this came to fruition 
Uh, I don't know. The race is September. It's in September. I think it's September 29th. So, uh, yeah. Wait, so when it, uh, oh man, uh, when is New York? It's like the first or second week of New York is the first weekend of November. It's November 4th, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to train for this and whether I really want to train like I want to run it for speed, which I'm kind of not feeling that. But um. So yeah, this has come up on um, the Flagstaff Marathon, which we've kind of talked to you about. Yeah. Doing that on September 15th, which is a trail marathon. And then Wait, I'm doing, what's, the date? what's the date of that again? You cut out a little bit? Uh, September 15th is the Flagstaff Marathon. Yeah. And so I'm doing that because uh, Jerry Nairn talked us into that, uh, type one run guru, Jerry Nairn, mm-hmm. uh, who used to live in Arizona and says he's done the race before and heard it was the last time they're ever holding this event and he wanted to do it again. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, I got to do that too. Wait, this is really the last year for some reason? Yeah, yeah. I wonder why. I thought, I thought we had you coming out. You chimed in. You said you were coming. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm going to come. Like I said, I, I, so we're doing that two-month road trip um, after we get back from Europe. And so I think we'll start around then. So it might be like I go to Flagstaff, do that, and then come back. And then we start the road trip. I still got to figure out my scheduling. Uh, I started a job when I moved to Boulder, and I recently um, quit that job for a different position. And so, like, my life's a mess. (laughs) My scheduling has been really, really a mess. Like, it's been all over the place. Um, One of the reasons it took me so long to – you know, get the the great pad on the show here, but uh, uh, yeah. So I, I'm definitely gonna try and be there. It, it sounds incredible. I've I've always just seen videos and heard about how incredible Flag is. So it just seems like a place that I'd love to go and visit. Yeah, it's it's a cool place. I mean, especially like for me, having grown up mostly in Colorado, like when I go up there, it's like I feel it's like wow, there are pine trees and yeah, you can see and uh, um. It looks like Colorado. So I mean, yeah. maybe somebody from Colorado won't be as impressed. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's cool. But like for somebody who's in Phoenix, if I can, you know, I can hop on the freeway and be up there in just a little over two hours. And it's just a completely different world. That's um, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. funny is that when people think of Arizona, they certainly don't think of areas like Flagstaff. You know what I mean? Like no one thinks elevation when they think of Arizona. No, they don't at all. And then um, the area where I did my 50 miler is like east, like northeast of Phoenix called the Mogollon Rim. That's just another just underrated, beautiful part of the state. And it was about, I think the the starting elevation was, was seven or 8,000 feet. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of elevation. So explain to me a little bit about training as a type one like how does your like how do you build your training for the new york city marathon especially as someone who lived their whole life not a type one like what did training look like right after you got diagnosed with type one till now you know what i mean like is it the same like are you training just as hard or is it scheduled like do you still stress about your blood sugars you know i'm I'm training harder for sure um how many miles a week do you think like you could tap out at? Uh, even my lighter weeks are usually over 30. Um, and then, you know, I, in, if I'm maxing out for training for, for a race, it might be like 50 or 60. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, I, I, I kind of went through this magic, um, 
so right after the diagnosis, so diagnosed in summer 2014, um, and like I said, I had lost all this weight. And, and, and when I lost that weight, that's when I was like, okay, I got to go run this, 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 before I was diagnosed, 2013, I was like, I've lost weight. I've gotten a little bit faster. I, I ran, my wife and I ran the, our first marathon was the 2006 uh, Twin Cities Medtronic Marathon. And uh, I finished that in like four hours and 40 something seconds. Yeah. And so in hindsight, it's like, dang, I shouldn't have stopped to kiss, to kiss the kids. Um, <laughs> no. The next two marathons I ran later on were much slower than that. And so I was like, I, dro- I was dropping all this weight, which in hindsight was probably due to diabetes. And, um, you think, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, maybe I could do under four hours. And so I did do under four hours and I was great. And then, um, I was diagnosed, got on insulin in the summer. And then, like I said, running was kind of my therapy, just mentally and physically. I felt like it helped control my blood sugar. Um, and so I started running then I was running, like I went from being running like three to four times a week to like, now I'm running six to seven times a week. And I started getting even faster because um, I was always like a middle, the back of the pack guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm like running faster and I'm like, I got it. I got to run a race here. And my wife was kind of nervous. She's like, well, I don't want you to run a marathon yet. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm at least running a half. And so in December of this 2014, that year, right after I was diagnosed, I signed up for the, um, used to be called the Fiesta Bowl Half Marathon. Now it's called the Scottsdale Half Marathon. It's uh, one of the bigger races in town. And I ran it, and I really didn't know what to expect. And I ended up getting, like, a PR by, like, 12 minutes or 11 or 12 minutes. Wow. I did, like, I think 137-something. Dang. Uh, So I was just like, I had this kind of magic uh, stretch where – I was gaining weight again because I had the insulin, but at the same time I was gaining mostly muscle, at least initially. And so then in 2015, um, I, I, so then right away I signed up for marathon. I signed up for the Phoenix marathon. Now I think it's called the Mesa Phoenix marathon, um, in February. And, uh, I ran that and, uh, I got like a PR by like, so I'd run, I'd gotten like a 355 in that Tucson marathon when I wanted to get under four hours. And then in, in, at the Phoenix marathon, I got like 337. Um, so I was like, I kind of just kept running and I kept running all these races that year and then, um, setting all these PRs. And then that fall, I went back to Tucson in December, 2015. The Tucson marathon is kind of a popular one to try to PR or try to BQ because it's, it's a pretty, it's like a 2,500 foot net drop. Wow. Um, so went there and I trained and that was like the best shape I've been in was that fall. I went through, like I was really sticking to my marathon training plan and I was like doing speed work and I was doing hill repeats. Um, and so I went and tried to, to, to BQ, but, um, it's not easy. It was like, so I was, how old was I? So 40 to 44, the BQ time is like 315. Um, so I, I maintained, I was on pace till about mile 17 or 18 and then the wheels started coming off and then mile 21, 22, they totally came off. So, but, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> Most people do die around that time. What do they yeah. say? Like your, your glycogen will get you to, uh, you know, about 20 miles. It's tough. And you know, with the diabetes, it's tough. The fueling is tough. I, I, I did take, I think I, 
ate about five gels on that race. And then and other people told me, well, if you, if, if your, if your blood sugar is high, the lactic acid will build up faster in your legs and you'll actually, your legs will die sooner. Oh. Um, which, yeah, which I, I kind of believe now, um, it's tough to tune it. I mean, that's one nice thing about a pump, I guess, if, if you can tune it on the fly. Um, I still don't know how people do that. Like if you're really trying to push hard to get like a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a BQ or something like that, like to, to stop and mess with that or to yeah. look at it. But, um, I can see looking at it, but I think it would slow me down going through the process of bolusing and then trying to determine my effort level. Like, Oh, is that bolus going to like completely, you know, destroy yeah. my blood sugar and am I going to be like getting a glucagon pen here in like 10 minutes? Yeah. And I had no concept, although I did experience that though, like that Phoenix marathon where um, my blood sugar was high. When I was high after the race, it was high for like the next few days. Um, I don't know if it's just, you know, muscle breaking down or, or what, but um, I, you know, I didn't expect that. My experience had been go for a run, your blood sugar drops, just like you said. And then, but if I'm really pushing at an aerobic uh, or anaerobic threshold, then, then yeah, sometimes it does spike. So I've still never, I, I'm, I'm curious one day when it'll happen, but to, so far I haven't had like the crazy spike from like a, a sprint or like a lifting workout or anything, but yep. Give it time. I've heard diabetes will evolve. <laughs> I mean, I try not to overcorrect for that thing. Cause I still feel like it's, it's going to eventually even out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the equation will, will win in the end. But then I, I do know people like, you know, there's, there's a, this other kind of train of thought where you want to keep your levels within this, this tight threshold. Um, but I don't know. That seems, I don't know. For me, like right now, just being on pens and measuring my blood sugar only three, four, maybe five times a day, it's kind of like measure blood sugar, take the shot, worry about it and adjust the next time that comes around. Yeah. Dude, Dexcom is going to change your experience. I feel like so much with type one. It is. I'm interested though. I'm interested. I'd like, I want to get the data, um, just cause I don't know what my blood sugar does during runs. Um, so. yeah, no, I, I think you'll be the only thing I, I warn you about is don't let it get too in your head. It took me a while to learn that, but depending on how hot you are, how sweaty you are, like when's the last time you've eaten, I think, Dexcom can get it really, really wrong. At least for me, because I'm a I'm a hot runner. Like I run really hot, you know, um, and I sweat a lot. And so for me, like I might go on a run in the morning, and I might be just completely redlined, you know, the entire time. Um, for instance, yesterday, like yesterday, yeah, yesterday I went up uh, Mount Sanitas, right outside my window here in Boulder, um, and it's like 1,200 feet of gain uh, in like a little over a mile. So it's basically straight up, you know, there's certain sections of it that are like 50 degrees bank, you know what I mean? And I was just redlined the whole time because I was trying to PR it. And I know from experience that my blood sugar is not really going to drop first thing in the morning when I run, you know what I mean? I'm really insulin resistant and my blood sugars are just solid in the morning when I'm running. But I looked down at my Dexcom and my Dexcom was like double arrows down, you know what I mean? And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I bet it's lying. Like it just it got a bunch of sweat in there and it's just, it thinks I'm dropping and it got in my head. And so I ate a gel and, you know, cause I'm not going to stop and test. I'm just going to eat a gel, screw it. Kind of like what you said earlier. I'll just uh, fuel aggressively and it's only been 30 minutes, but screw it. I'll just eat this gel. 
I run down the backside like three or four miles later. I get to my car. I, gr- I drive home and I check. And instead of being at 60, like my Dexcom says, I'm actually at like 170. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and now I have to bolus a lot because I know that I have some of that gel left in my stomach and it's going to completely like spike my blood sugar if I don't post run bolus right now. Um, it, it took me a long time to know that that was going to happen. And even to this day, like a couple of days ago, it still gets in my head. Like it'll mess with you. Like you, you don't, you feel fine. Your run's going great, but Dexcom is like double arrows down and you're like, do I believe it or do I not believe it? You know what I mean? Like how accurate is it today? Yeah. I have a friend here too. She was actually the first kind of type one person I ever ran with in person. Uh, my friend, Suzanne Jansen, um, she was saying that, uh, you like water, like any sort of liquid will mess with the Dexcom. Like she didn't <laughs> trust it during races at all. Like she stopped using it. Yeah. I, I, I kind of don't either unless it, Unless it's like a, a little bit colder of a day, but not too cold. Because I've also learned that a very cold day, like let's say your Dexcom, like let's say you're running into the wind and it's a cold day, like your Dexcom will get cold and it'll lie to you as well. Um, and I say lie, you know, it just becomes less accurate with all these new variables. And so, yeah, very true. I try not to believe what it says, but it, it's hard, like, because you have your phone on you and it says, you know, you're dying and you believe it. And all of a sudden now you're having to introduce insulin into a scenario where you wouldn't have had to, if you had just listened to your body as opposed to, you know, this machine. Um, it's, it's hard to listen to your body though, because for the first time I went low during a run, I mean, one of the, the, the signs I have when I go low is I start sweating like crazy. Like, yeah. Well, I'll be sweating like crazy cause I'm running. And exactly. So, and same thing, like when you're running at altitude, like when you go run and flag, like, the feeling of being like high altitude, you know, a little tired are the exact same feelings of low blood sugar. When yeah. I moved out to, when I moved out to Boulder from Southern Alabama, I thought I had low blood sugar for a month. <laughs> I was like, like, cause I walk up the stairs and I'm like in a cold sweat, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, my blood sugar must be low. Different. Yeah. The hard thing is everybody's different. So you can't get a definitive answer, but I was trying to figure out cause um, the first time I attempted the Zane Gray 50 mile run, I had a, pretty bad low like about 13 14 miles in and uh i was like well this, was it the elevation because i didn't think i'd over bolus or anything um and so i was like is it could it be the elevation like i don't know like but i think it, it it's like everything else with diabetes it probably affects people differently yeah it's funny that you said you can't trust your body sometimes i think that all the time when i'm like dude i got diagnosed type 1 at 27 my body is literally trying to kill me every day. Like I can't trust my body anymore because it's just a real son of a gun. It's trying to kill me all the time. I was sitting at work today and I realized that I'm just in a perpetual state of fighting off dying. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a super morbid way to think about it. But I think about that sometimes I think of myself. I'm like, I'm just in a slow state of dying slightly faster than a normal person. <laughs> I mean, technically that's true for all of us. So. Yeah, it, it is. But I think, you know, you got to give yourself a shot and you're like, you know, I'm just, I'm just putting off the inevitable that my body's trying to kill me right now. You know what I mean? But nor here nor there. Uh, one of the questions that I definitely want to get before I let you go. And, uh, thank you so much for coming on and kind of sharing, um, you know, your Wednesday evening with me, but what are your goals for the New York city marathon? Like, you know, we kind of talked about your experience getting into it, maybe some of the reasons that you applied and, you know, we've talked about some of the things you've gained from it to include a G6, which is awesome, even though you have to change it every 10 days. Um, 
Yeah, I've heard that's a downside. Um, <laughs> you really should change it. Like it's probably most accurate within the best margins at 10 days. But I think there's already people that have found out how to recycle it for another 10 days. So yeah. you'll, you'll have to give us the scoop on that. But what are your goals for New York City Marathon? You know what I mean? Like if, if you want, you could share a time goal. Is it an emotional goal? You know, is it a communal goal? Like what are you really focusing on going into New York? Uh, I'm, 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 you know, I really am looking forward to just uh, kind of enjoying the, the experience. Um, yeah. Excited about the team. I'm really excited to meet some of these, uh, these people in person. Um, I just ordered uh, Dave Holmes as our captain. I just ordered his, uh, his memoir off Amazon. He has a so, memoir. He has a memoir. He's, wow. he's kind of a famous guy. He like wrote for Saturday Night Live. And um, yeah, you should listen to, if you haven't to, if you haven't, you should listen to his uh, podcast interview with Craig. And um, I have, yeah. It was pretty good. Very um, good. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of cool people on the team. Um, so I, I, I just, I'm looking forward to enjoying the experience. Yeah. You know, that, that, Do you think you'll PR? It's going to be amazing because, you know, just, just, you know, you got the largest marathon in the world. Yeah. You know, just the community. Runners. Like, go, I can't imagine like the adrenaline of, adrenaline of just running past people that are cheering for you for 26.2 miles like that's crazy and i feel like i would bonk within the first two miles because i would go out so fast because i'm like so excited that there's all these people around me you know yeah so the adrenaline like i yeah you know i've gone back and forth on how in terms of training for like you know to have a really fast time and some things have kind of thrown a wrench in that well not a wrench but just just you know i've been doing so many trail races lately that you just kind of lose that kind of turnover um, and then mentally it's hard to, to keep training for, for races like that. So, um, but you know, those, those big marathons too, it's just hard to, you know, it's hard to PR something like New York where you've got 50,000 runners around you and you've got to kind of weave through people and stuff. So I just want to soak it in. Yeah. Um, and think, are you uh, going to set a time goal for yourself or just run to feel, um, how proud, I don't know. I'll probably just run for feel. I just, I, I, I haven't, uh, haven't succeeded in hitting my time goals lately. So, uh, I think I just want to enjoy the experience and, uh, enjoy, uh, you know, being around, you know, everybody else. And, uh, there's a 5k, the, uh, the day before that there's going to be a huge type one run contingent at. Yes. Uh, so, Mary was talking about that. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if I'm going to sign up for the race, but I'm, I'm definitely going to, I'll probably go there and hang out and wear my type one run shirt and support, uh, support the community. It'd be fun to meet some people. Like I said, um, you know, you like, well, look, we touched on at the beginning of the interview. It's, it's really hard to get these individual events going, but I think there's, there still has been a lot of momentum built up with the movement online. And, uh, I, I do think there's value in that. And then just to, to, to go to a big event where there are a bunch of people, that's going to be exciting. What does the type one run community mean? to you like I, I that's super vague and i've asked a few people that before but i've i think i've learned a lot about like type one and running from asking people that question like why is it important you know what yeah. i mean like for anyone listening that's like this kind of sucks this is like this dude's voice is annoying or this show sucks if they get uh, anything out of it like why is type one run and the community so important well like running for me i mean um it, it's really one of the best activities I could think of for a diabetic. I mean, it's just, you need to stay active and, and what's, what's, what's more primal and what's easier to do than to just go out and, and go for a run. Um, 
uh, and it's just, it's, it's just been next to insulin. It's been my, my best tool for, uh, <laughs> with, with I would say that running is more important than the insulin. Uh, uh, no, that's ahead. not true. That's too uh, far. Do you, do you, are you going to, what, what do you think you'll run it in? Cause I'm curious. Cause I want to, I want to talk to you after you run too. Cause I'm curious because I, I've talked to a few people that have run New York now and it's always like they set out a goal and then they realize by the end of the day, they've run three extra miles than they thought they would run. Yeah. Another thing too, especially with those urban ones where you're weaving in and out of people, you always yeah. end up instead of 26.4 miles on your watch, you end up at 26.9 or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so my marathon PR is 3:31 and change. Uh, the last marathon I ran, which I thought would be faster, was like probably 347, 348. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. It's like a mid eight minute pace, right? Like 830, something like that. And I, and I, I've, I've touted how like all the marathons I've done after my diagnosis have been faster than all the ones I did before my diagnosis. Yeah. So, so I, so I, you're I, a better I, runner now. I need to <laughs> thank be, you I, diabetes. And yeah, yeah. Thank you. So I need to stay, hopefully stay in that, um, 340 ish, you know, 340, 350 range, maybe, hopefully. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, you never know. Anything can happen on race day. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, once again, thanks so much for coming on. We'll kind of segue into the final section of the show, which is tempo talk. And uh, I'll just jump straight into it. Real sugar or artificial sweetener for Pat? Yeah, I've always heard you ask this question. So I, I don't put sugar or sweetener on everything on anything but um i guess if i have to answer the question i'd say artificial just because the one thing i do indulge in is like diet dr pepper oh yeah yeah so, so if given the option you're always going to reach for the diet oh yeah, i can I respect that the only time the only time in the last however many years i've, I've drank sugar soda would be at the aid station of an ultra marathon yeah or when you're low in the middle of the night uh, not even then <laughs> i have <laughs> mainly well, gatorade i keep a gatorade next to my bed uh, i usually don't do soda and i don't have a lot of lows in the night um i do keep you know my sugar tabs near me yeah uh, but so that's funny you say that because that's my next question is uh real food or glucose tabs if you're low real food i carry the glucose tabs everywhere and i i, I hardly ever <laughs> use them how low how low would you have to be to use a glucose tab well, if I started feeling it, like, I guess if I'm in my house, then I would just go eat something. Yeah. But um, if I got in my pocket, like, I'm trying to think of a situation, I guess, like, I think I was sitting in my son's, like, dance uh, recital or something, and then, like, I, you know, felt low, and I you know, ate a few of them or something. Yeah, but just popped it. Carry them with me. Um, they're like the gels. Like, I carry gels with me every time I run, and I hardly ever use them. What's your gel? Um, What's your go-to gel? Uh, last couple of years has been, you know, just a lot of honey stairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've been on, I've tried them all now at this point. I think what I've been leaning towards lately is the cliff ones only because when I was at Western, they were giving them away and I found out that they raise my blood sugar the fastest. Oh really? Yeah. The cliff gels, um, not the blocks. The blocks are good and they help, but they're slightly slower for raising my blood sugar than, um, the cliff gels themselves, like the strawberry ones or whatever. Um, See, and I'm kind of like you, I don't normally like to use them, but if I do know that I'm running low, cause I ate like, or I ate like maybe two or three hours before I'm running and I know some of my Novolog's pulling me down, I'll eat one of those and it's a little bit faster because I've, 
you know, I've tried spring, I've tried goo, honey stinger, um, and the cliff gels are just a little faster. And I wonder if it's just the, the type of glucose that they use. I've never actually pulled open the label and kind of analyzed it, but it definitely is slightly faster. Um, not as fast as like a glucose gel, but then again, those glucose gels are just straight glucose and you're not really getting any other nutrients that you might as well eat if you're already eating and running. You know what I mean? So I'm like, eh, I'll just eat these. Yeah. Well, I think any of the gels are going to be faster than the, the, than, than the blocks. Yeah. Or the chews. And I have trouble. I'll, I'll take the chews with me on like longer trail runs. But if I'm, I, I, I've tried using those on like marathon training runs where I'm running on the road. Yeah. And have, I always start choking on them when Dude, I'm trying to get that while I'm running. I went, I was going up a, uh, like a 13er uh, here locally around Boulder and I was pushing hard. And I put one of those in my mouth because I knew I was trending a little low. And it took me like three or four minutes to swallow it because I just left it in the side of my mouth, like hoping it would dissolve, you know, and it never did. I mean, I was just like trying to slowly chew it. But yeah, I can relate. Um, that's funny. For anyone else out there, I hope maybe that sidebar conversation helped you uh, more than it helped Pat or I. But um, so next question, favorite piece of running and diabetes gear like favorite piece of running gear that helps you manage type one while you're out there on the trail um yeah well i've I've basically switched to um i i I usually run unless it's a longer run i've got hydration packs for longer runs and longer races but i basically switched to uh just a simple handheld uh running bottle and uh with the little case of that i can i can carry a gel or two in my my car key and then uh i bought this i think it's called kangaroo sports or i think it's roo sports i bought this little magnetic flip pocket that uh that just just it can hold my phone and it's got a separate pocket that it holds it holds a gel i can also hold uh like a credit card and my driver's license or something if i need to yeah or the key in there too and um yeah it just i just slide like the the part that I put the phone in, I just slide that under my shorts and then just flip the other part over and there's a strong magnet that just holds it on there. Um, I used to always run with a belt, but I've gotten used to running without the belt and just carry my phone. Dude, um, I gotta, I gotta look into that now. Cause a lot of my pocket, like running pants, they have a pocket, but if you put your phone in there, it moves around a lot. And it's kind of frustrating. This thing, it doesn't move a lot when you run. No, it doesn't. I um, bought it at a marathon expo. I did a marathon, uh, in Tucson last November, um, the rebel Mount lemon marathon. And at the expo, they were, they were selling these and I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like carry my phone without having to have something wrapped all the way around my waist. I kind of like it. Yeah. So no, been- sometimes I, I run almost exclusively with a belt nowadays and it does get a little old. Yeah. Seems at, at certain points, I think it's kind of overkill. Like I need it all the way around me just to like hold my phone in this one gel and this little bitty bottle of water. <laughs> Yeah, well, I do like we also have a couple of the just the yeah the belts that um, yeah like mine's like an ultimate direction one I think I like it but but I don't really wear the hydration belts anymore because if you run it enough and they you know, kind of turn of shape. First, I, I was kind of against the handheld. Everybody started using the handhelds out here. On yeah. the trails. it seemed weird, but then once I got used to holding it, I don't even think about it, and I'll probably run with it even in New York. I mean. It might even throw like tailwind in it or something. Just um, yeah, I feel like in the Arizona community, like the the Jim Wamsleys and the uh, the Jared Hazens made the the handheld seem a lot cooler than they they used to be. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it is kind of the the the, the big thing here. And then, um, but also like you, you know, you get to another thing is is I found in a certain I was in one marathon where I, I was running with like a pace group, and every time we hit a water station, they'd have water first and then Gatorade second. And like I'm wanted when I'd want to take the water because I thought my blood sugar was probably pushing high because I just taking a gel or something. I was at the back of the pace group. It's like all the waters are gone. Now I got to take the Gatorade. And yeah. so I, I, I kind of like having my own, even if it's just a small water source, I like having that for when I want to take the gel Absolutely. or you know, yeah. gel over time, just, you know, suck on the gel, take little sips of the gel and, and sips of water at the same time. So Tr- trying to eat a gel while running without water can be impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've gotten used to running with a bottle and actually the last road marathon I did, I, I ran with the bottle. Yeah. Cool. Maybe that again. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so, final question, and then I'll let you go. Something that yeah. you wish everyone knew about Type One that if, if if you could kind of instill this in the global community of Type One, um, what do you think that that would be? Oh, geez, should give more thought to this question. Um, um, yeah, just that it's you know it's something that you're you're. You know, you're dealing with every day and, uh, it's, it's hard to forget. You forget about it, you know, for a very long stretch. It's just, it's, it's, it's a constant thing, even if it doesn't look like, uh, it's, it's affecting you. I'll segue you with a different question and it, it might, it may open up your, your thought processes, but, um, advice you have to someone maybe who just got diagnosed and, has always been a runner or has been type one for years and is wanting to start, you know, being as successful as Pat out there on the trails. Um, yeah, just go run. I mean, be, be smart about it. Be safe about it. Uh, I think guard against the low blood sugar. Um, I think it's the big thing. Uh, you know, I always carry a gel or two, um, almost always carry my phone, water, even for pretty short runs. So, uh, What's but your yeah. stance on the the medical ID bracelet? I've got one. My wife had nagged me. Well, I shouldn't say nag. Um, <laughs> Cover your ears, sweetie. <laughs> my wife had wanted to get wanted me to get one before even, and then um, and then she didn't even have to ask me after after the diagnosis. I, I went out and got a road ID. Um, yeah. My road ID. This is this is kind of funny. So um, so so Zane Bray. 50 mile endurance run, which I DNF'd in uh, 2017 and I finished this year. But at, at one of the aid stations, I, I was testing my blood sugar and fumbling with that. And that's such a frustrating thing to have to even mess with when you're doing a race. But oh, yeah, absolutely. I broke the band on my road ID. Um, I was like 26 and a half miles into this race and struggling completely for lots of diabetes and non diabetes reasons. And uh, I broke the road ID band like while I was doing that. And I was just like, geez, that's a bad sign. That and sucks. So I, I tried to tape it. I, started, I tried to get tape from some of the aid station workers and or the help of the volunteers, and it didn't really work. And then just kind of looked at one of the medical volunteers that was at the aid station. It's like, well, just let you know I'm a type 1 diabetic in case you see me on the trails later. And I just took off. Um, made it one more aid station before the DNF, but uh, – I just kind of, that was just one of the omens, the bad omens of my day was that, uh, that, that my road ID with my, my medical information had been broken. 
Yeah. So I did I did a triathlon a week and a half after I got diagnosed type one. And all of like the instructors of the course that I was in like knew I was type one and like that I had like just kind of diagnosed, you know what I mean? Because it's you know pretty uncommon, you know, for in that scene to be diagnosed type one and uh, they had a they had a truck that was dedicated just for me because I was at the I, I was finishing last at this point like oh, I was wow. in last place and they had a whole truck dedicated just to chasing me and making sure that I didn't die. <laughs> uh-huh. That seems a little excessive. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, think I was so far behind. I was like in last place by like forty five minutes or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't feel bad. But oh, yeah. either way. What do you have? What do you wear? For what? For your, uh, do you have a road ID or do you have some sort of medical bracelet? Or no, the reason I ask is I'm generally curious as to like what I should be doing. I actually don't have anything. I think a part of me like knows that I wouldn't want to wear it. That I would kind of resent like having to be different. You know what I mean? Like one of the great things I love about trail running is that I can go out there and if even only for 45 minutes or an hour, I can completely forget about a lot of my problems. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of forget about being type one and you can kind of forget about blood sugars and, you know, assuming you don't get any Dexcom alarms, you can just completely escape into the mountains or escape into the trail. And I think that bracelet would be like a reminder in a way, you know what I mean? Like right now I can look down at my watch and I'm just a guy running, but maybe if I look down at my watch and I see my medical ID and I'm like, Oh, I'm a type one. And, no, you're a runner. Should, you're always going to be looking at the wrong. You know, just go quit. Wrist. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's wrist that has your pace and your 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 Garmin on it. You're not going to be looking. And maybe ever. that's true. And maybe I'm just still new to the point where, like, I resent Type One in a way where it feels like if I can escape it for an hour, I will. And maybe I use running to kind of do that. You know, because I I'm very anal about my Type One and I control it as best as I can all day. And I feel like this one hour that I'm out on the road, I can go without being branded by type one. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I mean, get I guess- in a sense though, it's super safe. Like I, yeah. I think that I should probably have one in the event that, cause it's inevitable one day I'm going to have like some significant type one event and I'll probably be really grateful that I have that bracelet on, but yeah, I so mean, far yeah, I haven't done it. The one, I mean, I, I wear a road ID, so it's not specific to, you know, type one people it's not even technically a medical bracelet it's just it's just you know something people wear um i think it's even more common with cyclists than it is with runners but a lot of runners get them too just to you know if anything happens to anybody whether you have uh you know any sort of health condition or not just if there's any sort of emergency or medical problem or other event yeah um, just to have that information um but anyway yeah. <laughs> we digress, man. I'll let you go and thank you so much for everyone listening and thank you for coming on the show and have an incredible night and we'll all be in tune uh for your, you know, obviously flag is coming up more, you know, um soon than New York, but we'll all be in tune for New York and where's the best place to follow your training and your results? Like let's say you're going to post a finish line uh result, where is it going to be on? Um, I, I'm pr- really active, pretty active on Strava and, and Instagram. So, uh, uh, Strava is just my name, Patrick Vitruba and, um, Instagram, uh, uh Pat Vitruba. So yeah. lowercase. So awesome, man. Yeah. If you don't follow Pat, you got to, cause he's always out there training and posting pics and 
uh, he's definitely motivated me in the past to get out and get off my butt and actually go train. So thank you, Pat, for coming on the show. You're incredible. Um, thank you. I'm excited. Thank- yeah. I'm excited to see how you do with this uh, community. Cause I was pretty excited when I, when I discovered this podcast. Awesome, man. I've been well, trying thank hard. You. So maybe, maybe you'll have me on again. I can be your, uh, yeah. <laughs> We'll we'll do it. We we might do a recap of all the uh, of all the Beyond Type One members in a, in a sense, um, maybe come November, December, something like that. So stay tuned. Sounds good. All yeah. right, th- Pat. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. I um I'm kind of excited to take this opportunity, like a little recap of the past couple months leading into NYC coming up uh, this next weekend. I know you did Flag maybe a couple weekends ago. Uh, it's, oh, it's been even longer than that. When was that? Um, that, that, was, that was fun. Um, yeah. But now you're that much more prepared for NYC. I guess so. That'll be sea level. That'll be good. Uh, <laughs> so I, you, so t- talk to me a bit about your training since we, since I talked to you last. Because I want to say last time I talked to you, you didn't necessarily have like a like a f- completely finite goal for the marathon. Um, has that changed I, at all? How has your training gone since? I mean, it looks like you've been running, you know, sub 10 minute miles for marathon pace, you know? So that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, it hasn't, I guess my, my road legs haven't come back from, uh, I kind of spent the whole first half of the year just trying to get through like my 50 miler and like not worrying about my pace at all. And so then trying to switch back to road has been kind of a mental struggle. Um, and it's I'm running the miles. I'm not running them as fast as I wish I could or have in the past. But um, you know, I'm just going to go and enjoy. I mean, New York's going to be incredible, so I think I'm just going to go in and, and enjoy the the experience. Yeah. So this episode, I'll, I'll try and get this episode out by this weekend. Actually, maybe within the next 48 hours. We'll see. But I mean, that gives us what oh, like 10 day, eight days from NYC. I don't actually know what day it is on the weekend. Actually, yeah. now that I think about it is uh november 4th so a week from sunday um wow yeah, yeah so yeah it's, it's snuck up on me so yeah we're 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 getting close it's um yeah so you're tapering soon week, I yeah i'm tapering um did yeah yeah i'm definitely tapering um did like a 12 mile run on sunday um went to my running group uh this morning and uh was planning to do a short version but then got talked into doing the full Eight and a half mile, yeah. But um, but I think I think that that's it. I got I got to slow down and, and just kind of rest. Yeah. Uh, talk about. So I feel like you guys have gotten some pretty cool training support since I talked to you last. You've gotten like shoes. You've gotten like a Dexcom. What what all has Beyond the, the Type Run been able to get you guys? The sponsors are great. I have to give them all a shout out. Um, yeah, I remember them all. Uh, but Dexcom, yeah, we got a Dexcom. Kind of a funny story. I, I ran is is kind of part of the training. I did a um, a 31k a night trail race in August. Kind of yeah. Part of one of the first long runs to kick off my training, and I lost it. I lost the Dexcom about halfway through the race. Um, How did you lose? Like it just it just disappeared. You never saw it again. <laughs> I, I just realized it felt like it was tugging on me, and I you know I had a, the Dexter tape on it. It was on it was on my stomach and. Uh, mm-hmm. It fell off, and all of a sudden I like go to check it, and it's like it's just not there. And um, so then I'm just like, "Geez, like where where did I leave it?" And then it was is a loop course. There's like three basically 10k loops, Um, and I got in. uh, I finished the second loop, 
and um, I bumped into uh, well, it was it was an Air Viper race, so Jamil Curry was there, and I went, you know, to just say, hey, you know, I just I lost a medical device on the court. And he's like, a medical device, and, and I was like, well, no, it's no big deal. It's not like an emergency. But, but, um, but (laughs) that would scare some, like a regular person that could like really scare them. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It kind of like alarmed people and I didn't want to alarm people, but I did want to find it. And then I spent like third loop, like my, my, my pace just went to hell because I was just like looking in every, every single little like, yeah, year and a half rock, white rock with my headlamp looked like, you know, and so it was just but um, Dexcom was great. They actually, I, I contacted them, and they actually just ended up sending out a replacement. Um, so tra- Dexcom, like, are- transmitter and everything. Uh, yeah, they just sent me a new transmitter because they, they with the original kit. That's they only cool. sent me, uh, cool. they only sent me one, and then they they replaced it. Um, Dexcom's been great. Uh, we got Outdoor Voices has been the calling sponsor, and they they've set us up with some gear, um, CEP compression socks, um, Honey Stinger. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, some some good Shoes. stuff. Yeah, you got UFOs, right? UFOs, yes. We've got these custom uh, NYC UFOs. Um, yeah, those best. things are awesome. Yeah. Are you going to auction yours out after you win the marathon? Uh, well, I don't plan on winning, so I guess I have that problem. <laughs> Not with that mindset. Yeah, you diagnosed four years ago, so you know, has training for NYC kind of posed any new issues for you and like now that you're on Dexcom do you have like a new relationship with running and like how has that affected your running and everything like that yeah the Dexcom's been interesting because um I learned and and I think it might my body's been changing too because I had a kind of a long honeymoon period where I really didn't need that much insulin I've needed more insulin more recently but um what I've noticed running with the Dexcom is that I spike early in my runs um so my, my typical routine is to like wake up in the morning and if I'm at like, you know, one thirty, one forty, I'll eat a banana before I go for a run. Um, and even if I don't, I've learned that I spike. And so, um, I remember the first, one of the first runs I went on with Dexcom, I was running with some friends on the trail and all of a sudden like my phone just starts, ah, 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 ah. and, um, and it was the alarm that my blood sugar was high and yeah. yeah and so like, which didn't bother me really because it's like, well, I, I'm not worried about high blood sugar. I'm worried about low blood sugar really. I mean, I'm going to mm-hmm. keep running and that will bring it down. Um, but then, you know, a little later on, I remember like I think that weekend I was driving to to a trailhead with, with like the same group of friends. And a friend of mine was like, so he was just like, well, when do we have to – when do we know if we have to intervene? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, they don't, I mean, I, I'm pretty open about the diabetes thing, but I mean, people, you know, they don't really think about it too much and I don't even, you know, but, but then it's like when you hear this alarm going off, you're like, oh, there's something we have to yeah. worry about here. <laughs> so, no, so I I'm, can relate. I've had that conversation with friends of mine on the trail that are like, what happens if you just pass out right now? I was like, it would be very unlikely, but give me sugar. You should probably put sugar in my mouth. Yeah. However you can. And then drag me down the trail or wake me up or something. But I tried to explain that like the high blood sugar. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah. And so do you think it's the same blood sugar reactions that you would normally have for runs? And now you're just seeing the graph for the first time. I'm not sure. Like, has I think that changed it, your treatment at all? Has it changed your regiment, maybe insulin regiment? 
it has a little bit schedule after running schedule stuff like that it has a little bit I'll, I'll maybe not fuel as aggressively beforehand and then maybe you know take a gel mid run instead um just to keep a little bit of a flatter profile yeah. um but yeah, it's basic. It's it's pretty. I see that it it spikes pretty high, like when I start running, like for the first thirty forty minutes or so, and then it steadily drops. And then um, right. it has saved me on a low a couple times. Um, I mean, if I run in the afternoon or evening, I, I drop faster. Um, yeah, maybe partially that's because maybe I'll probably be more likely to have insulin on board. Um, yeah. Ooh, one other thing I really wanted to ask you about uh, before I let you go, because I appreciate you coming on and just kind of kind of cap off, you know, your training and leading into NYC. Like, what is the process of getting to NYC? Is there anything else you need to do? And then do you have a, a goal now that you think for sure that you can meet going into NYC? You know, like a sub four goal, four hour goal. You know what I mean? Is it? Well, I'm definitely what, holding. What, where's your mind at? You know what I mean? My, my mind is, um, like I said, I just I just haven't felt very fast lately. I mean, I'm hoping for sub four. Um, I've uh, my recent marathons have all been uh, sub four. Actually, all the ones since I've been diagnosed uh, have been sub four. And the one when I was, uh, you know, fifty pounds lighter and probably in severe ketoacidosis was 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 sub four. But um. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, 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 that's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm really hoping to just go and enjoy the experience and I'm really excited to meet, you know, we've kind of, we got, you know, our little Facebook page with all the, yeah. um, on type run, uh, uh, you know, runners and, and, and so we've kind of been bantering back and forth and I'm excited to meet them in person and just hang out with them and, and, um, yeah, I was just thinking I'm jealous cause you're, you're meeting all these people that I've talked to and met over the course of the past year and it's like. You know, I, I kind of I wish I could be able to go, but yeah. Well, there's next year's team, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, think I should do I next year's team. Listening to just yeah, this is you know, um, and it's gonna be a great experience. So far, it's been great. Um, everybody who's who's been you know part of this has been it's been fun. So yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want, take the opportunity to kind of. Uh, reflect on the experience if you want, or you don't have to at all, or if there's anyone you'd like to thank. I, I know I kind of always respect the beyond type uh, one team and their efforts in beyond type run, just because I think it every year, it kind of brings a heightened awareness around type one and running. And I just think that's pretty cool, especially with all of you ambassadors out there posting yeah, about I mean, it and talking about it and inspiring people about it. And I know, I mean, I got props for it. I didn't know if you wanted to take the opportunity to kind of reflect on the experience of being able to be on beyond type one, um, their team and going to NYC and kind of being a part of that. Definitely. I mean, they, um, they do such a great job with uh, the social media outreach and, um, uh, Mary Lucas is, is she was on the team last year and she worked for beyond type one and, and, and she's, she's been great. She's kind of been organizing the team. And, um, I guess I just mentioned, I guess, um, her mom, who's one of the founders of the the charity, I guess she's she's been having um, some medical uh, issues, and so I just thoughts go out to them. Um, kind of had to reorganize some of the the logistics for the weekend, but um, we're all thinking about about um, uh, Mary's mom, Sarah, and and, and hoping that uh, everything everything works out okay. Yeah, so, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for meeting with me, and I'll be. 
kind of stay in tune and I'm sure everyone else will be staying tuned and they won't have any choice because it's going to be all over social media, but good luck. I'm excited for you and yeah, super jealous, to- but I think, uh, I think <laughs> you're going to do awesome. Hey guys, so that wraps up today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. It's an incredible way to get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone every week. If you think you or anyone you know would be a perfect interviewee for the show, make sure to reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at type one run podcast or at type one run.org slash podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys again next week. Train hard, train happy, and leave no ones behind.